1: What would you like the power to
0: do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Welcome to the mini break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, April 12th. If it's a Tuesday. You know what that means. Another edition of Tennis Point Tuesday here on the mini break. We talk about all of the latest and greatest products available to all of you tennis players out there on our favorite website, tennis-point.com. Of course, we also break down all of the latest happenings happening across the tennis world, whether it be the professional level, college level, junior level, you name it. We'll talk about it here on this show. And of course, each and every time we have a tennis, point tuesday we are joined by our guy from tennis point it's my man nate walrith joining us once again nate dog how are you doing today
0: fantastic beautiful tuesday reds opening day the city is electric right now it was uh just getting downtown you can just tell the city is alive and well i couldn't probably name three reds players but uh <laughs> are, are happy to, to be out and about I was and I gonna say, s- finally got some sunshine dude
1: I was going to say, we have gone on a lot of tangents on this Mini Break podcast over the years. There has not once been a Cincinnati Red tangent. I can guarantee you that. Do we want to do 12 seconds on Joey Votto? I think that's honestly enough that we said yeah, his that's, name. That's it's probably all, good. That's,
0: that's, no, guys, check out Joey Votto. Just opened up his uh, TikTok account and launched it. <laughs> it is probably one of the most entertaining TikToks you'll see in, uh, in, in the Matrix. So whatever he's doing... You never would have guessed that this stiff would would be loose on TikTok, but he's having some fun with it.
1: Better Cincinnati Red, Joey Votto or Ken Griffey Jr.?
0: Joey Votto. <laughs> I, I mean, the kid was was legendary that he came back home, but he was he was borderline lost.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, Ken Griffey Jr. is still getting paid by the Reds. Actually, that yeah, might exact, be true. Yeah, yeah you, you never know. <laughs>
0: There was a video game where you would hit like four buttons on the 10 64 and then it was automatic home run every time (laughs) he touched the ball. (laughs)
1: Legendary. <laughs> yeah, no, we anyways, I agree with you. That's probably enough Cincinnati Red Talk. No I am God. curious because Monte Carlo play starts around six, seven AM, sometimes a little bit earlier. I mean, you can get matches at four AM here on the East Coast if you really want to see them. Do you prefer your tennis early in the morning? Do you prefer the late at night stuff in Australia? Obviously, ideal it's US Open. It's on whenever you're awake. That said, do you like the early morning, you know? The moment you get up, there's action on your screen.
0: I I, I love it. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely like a a guy that likes to stay up till two or three in the morning. Yeah, so my parents always there.
1: said I live on Pacific time on the East Coast.
0: So, I'm the same way. So I mean, you I mean, my bedtime is yeah, like two thirty three a.m. Yeah. So I prefer that. But when you wake up and you're drinking coffee and you got Monte Carlo Masters one thousand action on, I'm definitely not complaining. I don't it's think it's they... easier to. You, you don't snooze the alarm clock when you know you got Masters one thousand action on.
1: I don't think people understand as a podcaster. The ideas come when they come. And so often it's at two A. M. when there are no distractions, no more excuses. You're like, All right, it's time to give a good forty five. Um yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, I feel like Djokovic Alejandro Davidovich Fokina was appointment viewing this morning. And even if you were I mean, we're fortunate enough that both of us have tennis centric jobs, therefore it's not inexcusable. Particularly, I'm fortunate enough to say for me to be watching that match uh, at any given hour that it occurs. That said, if you are a tennis fan, at some point you checked in on the scoreboard, whether you're sitting at your desk, whether you're sitting in your classroom, how could you not? Novak Djokovic making his return to the court. Of course, we want to talk about that result, offer our takeaways. We want to run through each of the quarters of the Monte Carlo draw, talk about what we're looking forward to from a matchup perspective, the players we think are dangerous, and so much more. Of course, before we do that, that, as we do on each and every edition of Tennis Point Tuesday, we want to talk about the latest equipment being offered on tennis-point.com. And of course, we here at the Mini Break Podcast, immensely grateful for the support, Nate Dogg, you and the team over at Tennis Point show us here. Of course, it's the lifeblood of this show. It allows us to provide tennis fans with the content we know they deserve. There is so much action happening across the globe at any given moment. We think you need a daily podcast to help absorb all of the information because of the support we get from from our friends at Tennis Point. You know, we're able to stay up till 3 a.m., watch all the action, uh, you know, digest it all, and then come up with some takes for all of you so you feel more informed as a tennis fan. Of course, you can feel your best on the court as well by going to tennis point.com today. You use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off all sale items, free two day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls, tennis point.com. The promo code is CR15. With that said, Nate, talk. Talk to me. What are the latest and greatest equipment offerings available on tennis-point.com?
0: So, yeah, with the uh, the, the short going on with the shoes right now, I know everybody's kind of asking me, what what can we get, like, a bang for our buck? Like, I'm a, a junior that plays in a ton of tournaments. I'm wearing through my shoes every two weeks, and I'm struggling to find uh, enough tennis shoes to last me a season. Well, I think Mizuno has come to the rescue. The new Wave Exceed Tour 5 um, just hit the market for both men and women. You got Lorenzo Sinego and Martin Fusevich on the tour uh, that, I've, that I've seen so far, both in Monte Carlo rocking this shoe. I had it on a few days ago. Um, I know Colleen, my boss, wore it as well for her matches. This shoe is, uh, I, I don't know, this, this is a top-of-the-line shoe. It is 11.6 ounces for a 10.5 shoe, which is just incredibly light. And they don't sacrifice the kind of stability and durability that you think you, you might kind of lack with a shoe that's being this light. It also comes with a six month outsole warranty, which is just like a joke. Like I know for the juniors, that's a huge deal. And, love uh, that. That, that's you got it. mom and dad love that. The kids love that. Yeah. It's, it's huge. So, and the shoe looks awesome. Like it's a super good looking shoe. They got the, uh, like a Navy lime green type colorway. They have a Miami dolphins colorway, uh, more of a white colorway. So for the male and female, great looking shoe. It's light, snug fit. Uh, to sock fit at the top, I'm a big fan of these sock fit shoes right now. How like the tongue doesn't slide down to your foot when you're playing; you don't have to constantly readjust through the uh, guyelmon feet where you constantly bend down to pick your tongue. Um, but yeah, it's just I could not believe how light and stable it was at the same time, and it's a very responsive shoe. I felt like when I was trying to recover, I wasn't moving around and sliding around. So the Mizuno Wave Exceed Tour Five, check it out. I'm sure they're going to sell fast, so get on that as soon as you can. And then I would also shout out. You guys are feeling a little edgy uh, especially for the men and the juniors out there k-swiss has a an interesting collection out there right now with the whether it's their long sleeves their t-shirts and, I, and i'm a big fan of their shorts so uh k-swiss i know you guys may be familiar with cam nori out there he's rocking this and other than that guys junior rackets we've got all of them we just did our uh, on instagram our top six best junior rackets for people new to the sport doesn't matter if you're if you're nine ten years old or if you're whatever late 40s like early 50s and you're just getting into tennis we have all the rackets that can suit your game and it kind of gets you started in this sport so if you guys have any questions you guys can feel free to reach out to me on social media personally or nick Walworth or instagram tennis point usa uh, and you guys yeah slide the dms whatever we try to respond to everybody's questions and um yeah
1: how frequently are you jumping around with the racket you're using?
0: Uh, pretty, that's, yeah. Uh, you know how I am. I'm a spaz on the court, man. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm always jumping around. I, I if, if I'm podcasting, I like to have a racket in my hand and just to spin it around and play. Like, it, I, feel, I feel more at home if I got a racket in my hand.
1: Yeah. The new I-
0: E-Zone. I got that new E-Zone, man. I don't know. I'm a pure arrow guy forever, but if I ever change permanently, when that E-Zone Plus comes out, that's a hell of a stick, my man. That is the pop that you get on that thing, with a, the Yannick strings complement that stick so nicely. And I think between the blade and the E-zone, those are two of the most commonly used rackets I see at the uh, junior to the tour level.
1: So a little bit of a sneak peek here. When are we, we're coming to Tennis Point, I think, what, next week? I want to say next yes, Wednesday, It's something like that. Are we yes, hitting sir. the court? Do we have to lock that in now? What do we have to Let do? To... I, got I was going to say, what do we have to do?
0: You... you... We got it. singles and doubles action or what? Is Dalton getting in the mix as well? No, I, I got to find a doubles partner? Or well, is that's, is
1: a, that's a great question. Here's what I'm saying is let's get the collection of sticks. Let's play a little right. bit with each of them. we we'll play a couple of points with everything. And then we can say, this. I, here's what I think about this. Here's what I think about that. Let's make this a whole bit. Let's, you know, yeah, again, think, make it a full thing.
0: I think you're someone that we've talked about this stuff before. I think if you get on the court for an hour and you get to try out different sticks for 10, 15 minutes, it's pretty amazing how different these like with the technologies in these rackets, like everything is just so advanced. It's it's pretty incredible how much differently the ball comes off the string bed when you switch out uh, a thin beam for an aerodynamic beam for a thicker beam and um, just the flexibility in the shaft and stuff. and. This, this all the different string patterns. It's You got to come out there. We got to do this. We'll get
1: it done. Okay. I'm showing you my arms right now, unencumbered by <laughs> sleeves. You get to see all of them. You see it at its finest. Yeah. This is what you're working with, Nate. 6'2 frame. Again, sneaky tall. Ronnie Bernstein. Again, put it on the list. It's coach what? number... F- you know, 712, who when we see each other and really, you know, now that she knows me, she's like, I always forget you're tall. I'm like, what? Do I have a short – this has been the question I've been contemplating nowadays is do I have a short person's voice, um, which I don't know what that sounds like, but evidently I do. Um, that said, what do you think the string tension I use is? You're fi-
0: You're 53.
1: This is why I showed you the arms. 58. You're 52. 58? Yeah, wow. 57, 58. I like to keep it tight. It's just – I like to put the ball where I like to put the ball. Um I'm, I don't know. That's just what I've always used. The truth is, I was never it's because probably I don't generate enough racket speed. And so I can't do you know 45, 47. I'm at 60. I, that's and I feel athletes. like I'm,
0: I I have to drop down eventually, but I'm at, I'm still at 60
1: oh, probably, Another yeah. thing we have in common. This is good. No, we are on the higher side.
0: Wait, I, and it's it's pretty wild. Like you talk, I talked to Jensen Brooksby on the court in Miami. Like where do you where do you think he sits on on the
1: He's what like 33? No, he's no. Yeah, he, forty-two, I, I, forty-five.
0: It, he's he's in the like forty-eight to fifty-one range.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. It, it,
0: it made even more sense when he gave a shout-out to uh, – they said, like, well, give me one former player that you would want to play against. And he said Fabrice Santoro. And I was like, that's legendary. Yeah. <laughs> Shows
1: that's you how legendary. much film uh, Brooksby is watching. With that said, again, to find all the latest products, all the latest equipment, go to tennis-point.com today. You can learn more. by What's the best way? Say it one more time. Instagram, Twitter, where can they find everyone? How can they yeah. contact you all?
0: Instagram, guys, we are at tennis-point-usa. underscore underscore tiktok that's where i'm putting a lot of our video and i think that's where we have a lot of fun that's just tennis underscore point uh we just hit the over five hundred thousand likes um bar which was um so that's it's fun now tiktok is like you throw anything out there and the people like video is king right now so tennis point and then twitter we dabble with it tennis point us we're getting on there more uh we sponsor the tennis point of the day with tennis channel so they're sending us the best clip of the day from monte carlo and Novak Djokovic came up with the goods on the pass on the set point today, which was uh, the shot of the day for tennis point today. So that was pretty
1: cool. Can I give you a pet peeve of mine? Of course. You should, again, I'm always waiting for someone to be like, no. Yeah, um, no,
0: I know. I, I heard yeah. you on the trigger. I, I, almost, I almost pulled the trigger,
1: but. Yeah, no. You know, that's one of my <laughs> things is I'm just waiting for it. That's what I know when someone does that to me and I'll be like, you're the one. I love you. Um, which, as you know, you are an eight dog. Um, no, my thing is because I saw the tennis point of the day yesterday. It has to be clear that the segment is called Tennis Point. Of the day, it's not the tennis point point of the day. It's got to be tennis point of the day because that's just like the the repetitive point is. To, I I like it when it's just straight tennis point of the day.
0: Jim, you got Jim Courier and Paul Anico and called it the tennis point shot of the day, but I'm like, no, yeah. oh, it, it clearly just says tennis point of the day. But no, Fognini got day one on the on the cross court pass or the down the line pass with a backhand slice, and then uh, Djokovic on the uh, down the line forehand pass.
1: Again, more credit to Dave Limpke. Tennis Point of the Day is for sure a brainchild of his. I know him well. That's for sure a gem of his. Uh, Yeah, I love Tennis Point of the Day. I I was like, that is genius. That is money. And so I look forward to seeing more of that. And obviously, I love how much Tennis Point is doing to engage and obviously promote uh, the sport that we all love. With that said, let's talk about the sport we love. Let's talk about the action unfolding this week. And yeah, we've got Billie Jean King Cup coming up on the weekend and plenty of college action happening across the country. And as I mentioned yesterday, Claude Lewis coming on the show tomorrow to talk about all the junior action that's unfolded across the country on Globe as well. But right now we're going to focus on the Masters 1000 action happening on the ATP tour in Monte Carlo and certainly all of us today, as we mentioned, are looking forward to the return of Novak Djokovic on court. We got to see Novak Djokovic play a bit in the Middle East, knocked out, of course, by Yuri Veshly. They're still number one in the world. Still the number one seed entering this event. He drew Alejandro Davidovich Fokina in his first matchup. And we can talk about the Davidovich Fokina side of the equation, of course, in this conversation. But the headline, Davidovich Fokina earning the biggest win of his career, certainly on a surface level, a 6-3, 6-7, 6-1 victory. He knocks off Novak Djokovic, eliminates Djokovic in his return match. Of course, you look for Davidovich Fokina, who was up at break multiple times in that second set as well. You thought maybe when Djokovic stole that second set breaker, okay, now he's captured the momentum. Davidovich Fokina might go away. He did not. To be honest... The storyline here, I mean, if you're if you're looking at this match honestly, it's that Davidovich Fokina should have won it in straight sets, and it's a freaking testament to Novak Djokovic that he found a way to scrap and claw and his on-the-run forehand, down-the-line passing shot on set point, vintage sort of stuff out of Novak Djokovic, and for him to be able to summon that sort of level in his first match, given what, this is match number four for him? on the season certainly that there's some glass half full stuff to look at for Novak on the same time I really do think the story coming out of this is Davidovich Fokina Nate and I'll get into the argument of why but that looks like a top 20 maybe even better sort of clay court player to me
0: certainly I mean and how about how many times has this guy hit the deck today like he was <laughs> leaving it all out there I think he it had to be 10 times or close to it he was diving all over the place and just he didn't care that he was carrying around an extra five pounds of red clay on his shirt, chasing down balls. And he put pressure on Novak. I mean, his ball striking, especially with the two-hander, his ability to chase down drop shots and redirect them down the line and wrap around the, the ball with his left hand was, I mean, ridiculous. Like how well he moves on clay, his athleticism really stands out. And he seems, I mean, like you said, top 20 player on clay, his hard court swing and the sunshine swing particularly wasn't all that impressive. But, you know, once he gets on the red Clay, just his confidence and how comfortable he feels uh, really pays off. And he just never stopped believing. I mean, Novak had opportunities um, really in, in, all, in kind of at least the last two sets to uh, t- take chances, and he just consistently found the shot-making on the run. And he had some silly, like, some, some questionable shots, like with, with just random drop shots and pulling the trigger off balance. But, I mean, his ability to rebound and just go back up to the line it was a fantastic tennis and I know you were locked in uh, Twitter live in it so it was a uh, I, I was impressed by your call you you did not go to the Novak um, kind of favoring Novak after the second set you, you stuck with your guns and you said I'm actually going to uh, fade Novak a little bit here and I don't you didn't believe his fitness and that that turned out to be the truth.
1: Yeah, and again, I think the story coming out of this match is Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. That said, I acknowledge, of course, the bigger storyline in all of tennis right now is Novak Djokovic. How fit is he? How much will he be able to play moving forward throughout the season? Because obviously we're coming off of the year where Novak Djokovic won three Grand Slam titles, and he now trails Rafa by a single slam in the all-time major count, and that race has captivated all of us for... A generation of tennis fans now and for over a decade. So let's start with the Novak Djokovic side of equations. 30 winners against 45 unforced errors. It's not going to cut it against anyone, particularly in a clay court match against a guy like Davidovich Fokina, who was plus two overall, 38 winners against 36 unforced errors, and was just extending rally after rally after rally, giving, you know, he'll mix in the boneheaded shot, the drop shot, the spontaneous slap down the line, but foundationally, he was putting returns in play. He was forcing Novak to hit a fourth, a fifth shot in the rally, extending beyond the plus one, plus two combinations. I mean, Novak made 61% of his first serves in this match, and you know it was a 55% percentage in that third set, which obviously drops him for the match, but he was over 65% for the majority of it, and yet he only won 55% of his first serve points, 41% of his second serve points. He faced 20 break points yeah. in this match. He was constantly
0: under, under the gun. Yeah, uh, he and again, serve again...
1: I hate using personal anecdotal evidence, and I know I referred to this in the Twitter spaces, so I apologize to anyone who's hearing this for a second time, like perhaps you are, Nate. But anyone who has played tennis and has been away for a long time, in particular from match play, knows the most difficult part about returning to the game in my opinion, is the first shot after the serve. Because you hit your serve, you land, and you are just so unprepared for what comes next. Because you haven't hit a serve, you haven't had to reset, you haven't been thinking about your footwork, you haven't been thinking about how am I going to execute on this next ball. And you could tell anytime davidovich Fokina got even a return back to neutral – With Novak, he was a little bit lost. He was a little bit stiff going in and out of corners. It's always hard to change directions on clay court. It looked that much harder for a guy who has made movement look as easy as possible on any surface of any player in professional tennis history. You know, the unforced errors piled up. It was, what, 19 in that first set and just obviously was not—or you look for him, let's see, yeah, in the first set overall for Novak Djokovic, he hit— Eight winners, 13 unforced errors. That's not true. I saw a bigger number earlier. I'm pretty sure that number was 19. You just look for Novak overall. It was a sloppy first set, sloppy start. But what happened in the, in the second set? Anytime he was down a break, and in particular him going down 3-0, he just turned into brick wall mode. He started grinding a little bit more, started keeping balls deeper, just in the center third of the court. Let Davidovich Fokina have the unforced errors pile up. Now, it was a testament to davidovich Fokina that he kept being up a break and he kept having opportunities. But I thought there was, you know, again, first match back, there's enough there to still feel pretty positive about Novak because the rust he showed is the typical rust you would show in match number four of a season, particularly given it's month four of the season when you're playing that fourth match and not the third week. Mm
0: -hmm. And the movement to me was what stood out, like... I can probably count on one hand how many guys have looked like the superior athlete against Novak Djokovic uh, across any surface. Uh, today, Falkina looked like he was the better athlete of the two. I mean, he was the one making the crazy shot, shot making from on like on the dead run or on the on the stretch, um, just chasing down drop shots or on the run backhands, and he was the one that was making the the kind of uh, highlight reel type plays that we're used to and kind of accustomed to seeing Novak make. So I think Novak will get that. He'll get a step back. He'll get his flair back. He looked uncomfortable, though, for most of this match. I mean, like you said, credit to him for even getting a set. He did not play even close to his best tennis. Just at the net even, he was in plenty of times he was coming in off offensive positioning, and he was, was just tossing up a shot to see what could happen, and Novak just kind of fumbled it, whether it was poor footwork or not turning or uh, just kind of some errant um, kind of miscues up there, I thought that kind of showed his rust. But – no, it's great to have Novak back on the tour. Fakatina F- F- comes up with the biggest win of his life. And I thought it was really cool when he got in the tennis channel booth after the match. Like he just talked about how like he was talking about the match and he was just like, I'm so nervous right now. And he was more nervous in the booth after the match than he was on the court against <laughs> the, the number one player in the world about to come up with the best win of his life. And it was like, it was just an awesome moment. 22 year old kid from Spain. He trains with Rafa at, at the academy and those guys. And he's just another spanner that loves clay. And we've seen this for the last forever. It feels like that they just continue to produce guys that are going to grind you down and, and shot making the shot making from these guys is incredible.
1: Yeah, it it was again, Davidovich-Fokina. So let me make the case for him, and let's let's talk about Davidovich-Fokina for a moment. You look for him overall now. He's seventeen and seven in his last fifty-two weeks in clay court events. That includes run, and let's not forget it was perhaps one of the quieter runs. But he very quietly made the Roland Garros quarterfinals last season. And you look on his pathway to roll uh, to those quarterfinals. I mean, he knocked off Casper Root, who I think is on a lot of people's shortlist as you know, coming off of that Miami final in particular and having uh, won a bunch of clay court titles while everyone was off at the Olympics last season, I think a lot of people would look at Kasparut as one of the top five favorites entering this uh, French Open this year. And Davidovich Fokina beat him last year in five. He made the Monte Carlo semi uh, quarterfinals last year, beating Matteo Berrettini. He made a run to the Estoril semifinals, which is, again, beating who you're supposed to beat. He beats Nori and Dimitrov on his way to the Rome round of 16 last year. Again, 17-7, and seven. he's now beaten Giron and Djokovic to start off this tournament. I think he's proven pretty clearly he's a top-20 sort of guy on clay, and if you remember back long enough, his first breakthrough result came on the clay courts all those years ago. I want to say, what, it was 2019, I believe, uh, when you look at those results, and let's see, I think it was, yeah, that 2019 uh, where he made it to the Astral semifinals, he beat Fritz, he beat, you know, Chardy, beat Fees in three sets before getting knocked out by Quaid. Um, yeah, ever since that moment, he's flashed because of just you know. Again, I, I know I say this before. I'll repeat myself here early on in this week on the podcast so that I don't have to repeat myself throughout the course of the clay court season. What distinguishes a good mover from a great mover on clay courts? A good mover slides out of his shot. A great mover slides into his shots. The Vítochová slides into his shots, and because he's able to do that, I mean, you saw it at various times in this match when he'd go, you know big down the line when Djokovic got him stretched cross-court and just beat Djokovic to the spot there because he's confident his balance will be fine and he can swing through that ball. The slice he can play, the short angles, I think he's a pretty good volleyer. Yeah, the second serve hangs short, but everyone's second serve hangs short. He reminds me of a Tommy Paul sort of athlete. I actually think there's not, like, I think there's some comparisons between the two of them. Very well-rounded, very explosive, may not have the sort of 6'4 to 6'6 size that some of the defining athletes of this generation do, but they do not lack for athleticism. And I think the well-rounded nature of Davidovich Fokina's game, he's just going to win a lot of clay court matches. It was a brutal draw for Djokovic in his first match back, particularly if Davidovich Fokina from an energy perspective. This is where he thrives. Nothing to lose play high energy it was his best stuff uh, he deserved the win
0: no I, I love the comparison I think from an athletic standpoint I think Tommy Paul is, is naturally more gifted in terms of firepower but I think Fokina is a little more explosive I think he gets up out of corners even slightly better than Tommy Paul who's I mean they're both superb athletes but Fokina is just he was getting the drop shots with ease uh he's got a great opportunity to make a semi-final here I mean he plays the winner of Gofan and Evans a matchup that I mean it's, he's not going to get overpowered in and at six at six feet tall the depth he finds from the baseline is uh what kind of what kind of stunned me today is like he consistently finds the, the the last i mean like within the foot of the baseline or, or deeper it's like he had he had no back off balance constantly and kind of um just out of sorts and just continue to just lay lay weight into every ball and uh yeah i mean he, he looked good you know, that, that head, head extreme He's uh, him and Barrettini rocking it with uh, the, the big forehands, big back. And so was, we'll see what he's he, he got for uh, either Evans or Gofin. But I mean, the conference has to be there.
1: Great ponytail as well. Great ponytail. Um, Great ponytail. Yeah, he, he played extraordinary tennis. And you look for Davidovich Fokina now with his victory, how it opens up the top half of the draw. I mean, Carlos Alcares is obviously still in this quarter. And with that in mind, let's actually get into our Monte Carlo yeah. draw preview. I want to go through all the quarters, answer a couple of questions about all Carlos of them.
0: Carlos has to be a little bit gassed by now. I mean, the, the kid just.
1: Sheesh, 18 years, give years old. A counterpoint. I and when you're. Eight, <laughs> sorry mom when you're 18 years old you can drink four nights in a row if you can drink four nights in a row you can play a tennis match after 10 days of rest
0: <laughs> no that's true I, I think mental it's a mental fatigue more than anything for a kid like that that's gone through the highs of you know winning his first 500 then winning his first match of thousand but this kid just doesn't seem to fit any of the uh the, the normalcies that we see well, look- from,
1: He's got Sebastian Corda tomorrow. That's a fascinating matchup because I do think Corda has the size and the sort of fluidity and condensed backswing on the backhand. He'll like some of the topspin Elkarez throws his way on that inside-out ball, and of course, Alcaraz wants to stretch you wide inside-out with his forehand to open up the inside and in, move in behind it. Corda will be able to not only keep him, you know, honest with his own backhand down the line, but he'll be able to handle that pace and dish it back to where Elkarez doesn't have that easy opportunity to change direction. That's a really fun matchup. Now, you know, Taylor Fritz, Baron Schilch would be really fun on hard courts. I don't know how much of that I want to watch on Clay. Fritz survives today in three sets over Lucas Katarina. And it's interesting. Fritz, a 51.2% favorite, according to Tennis Abstract. I mean, you look in this section, as you mentioned, Davidovich Fokina knocks out Djokovic. You've got Gofan Evans, Fritz Chilich, Corda Alcaraz left in this quarter. Let's start here. What's the matchup you're looking most forward to that remains of this, you know, possible? Or is it just straight up Alcaraz Corda?
0: I mean, Alcaraz Corda is, that's. Yeah, I mean I'll, I'll for sure be tuned into that one, but I would say in this quarter if we get a yeah, I mean that's I think that's almost the best matchup of, of that section. I mean, we're getting it in the in the first match for Alcaraz coming off the bye. uh quarter look pretty sharp against Botic. That's that's a heavy hitting uh matchup right there. I think that's the winner of that probably the favorite to come out of that section.
1: Yeah, the question is, I mean, I think Sebastian Corda legitimately moves better on clay courts right now than he does on hard courts. I think he's really fluid. I think he slides into his shots. I think, you know, again, his serve is still effective on the clay courts. I mean, his big breakthrough run on the mainstream stage was making that fourth round run at Roland Garros in 2020 where he was knocked out by Rafa. This is going to be a fun matchup between he and Alcaraz because he'll punish some Alcaraz second serves. And again, he'll keep Alcaraz honest. The question is, does he have the ability to get Alcaraz strut? Because, you know, Quarter wants to overwhelm you with power. Does he have enough firepower to... To throw Alcaraz off balance, to prevent Alcaraz from, you know, to force Alcaraz to be six feet behind the baseline all the time, where Alcaraz can look still exceptional, but obviously that he can move forward, turn defense into offense so uh, so well as he does, that's what makes him elite of the elite. Corda does have that elite firepower, and he has the consistency to to make it enough when he's playing his best. But he'll have to play his best. And I yeah,
0: and I think to go along with that is like when he leaves the states. I think there's more pressure here, obviously, you know, being that he's one of the, one of the favorites to kind of be the face of the American tennis playing group. But I think when he leaves the country and he goes overseas, I think the pressure kind of lifts off his shoulders a bit. And I think you can probably expect him to find his best tennis as he feels like he's able to swing freely and he's not going to be the favorite uh, going into tomorrow's matchup. He's, he's a pretty heavy uh, underdog. So I think he's a dangerous underdog. And if Carlos is, Playing his his B game and corda's at his a, a level, that's a that's an upset that that could happen. Cordis gonna have to make I don't know I'd say upper 65 percent of his first serves to to feel to feel good about it. But I mean yeah that's that's gonna be a, a highlight reel and um, I'll take if I'm predicting on that matchup. The 18 year old just has to the, the wearing just the mental. Give me Corda. I, I'll, I'll give me Cordis in three sets. I think Corda's gonna come up with the upset. It'll be a uh, a big win going into the clay court swing and Alcaraz I don't think you can take much from that loss. If he, if he drops it, he's just kind of regrouping and he'll he'll find his way whether it's in Rome or wherever he goes next.
1: Five and four win for quarter in round number one over Boutic Vandison's skull. worth remembering. Yeah, quarter lost first round last year at Roland Garros, but he won his uh title at on clay in Parma the week before the French open. I'm excited for that matchup, that matchup happening tomorrow. I agree. I think that's the best matchup in the section. Now, Carlos Alcaraz is your favorite to capture the Monte Carlo title right now. According to the tennis abstract singles forecast, he's a 19.8%. Tsitsipas, 19.3%. Zverev, 194 But obviously, with Djokovic's exit, Alcaraz is now the guy to watch in the top section. Give me your predictions. Any other thoughts you got here? Or is it just Al- you think Alcaraz goes through?
0: Yeah, i yeah, I just I don't think there's enough guys with kind of the weapons and the and the movement to to scare him. If if Carlos gets through this matchup, I think that could be the toughest matchup he faces until he gets to a semi.
1: Interesting. Well, then with that in mind, let's move on to quarter number two. And again, Djokovic getting off to an early start here in this event. You look at quarter number two, it's the Kasparud section of the draw. And Kasparud right now, 15.7% chance of winning the tournament, according to Tennis Abstract. That's your fourth highest odds, not that far off, from that top three of Alcaraz, Virev, and Tsitsipas. He's going to match up now with Holger Rune. Rune, a three-set victory today over Aslan Karatsev, the former World Junior number one who we've both spoken to on our podcast Nate had or was up a set to break and had chances to close it out in straights now he wasn't able to do so but for Holger Rune who today ultimately earns that three set victory I mean here's the thing you look for him again overall seven six four six six three win did he serve particularly well today I wouldn't I don't I wouldn't accuse him, I suppose, of that fact, but you look for Rune and how relentless he is on the return of Servan, you know, for Rune who uh, Save seven of the ten break points he faced, converts four of his nine break point chances. He just puts so many returns in play, and you know, you look for him overall 19 winners against 19 unforced errors. Just put so many balls in play and let the errors pile up for Karatsev. Made this match physical. I think that Holger Rune backhand is just special, and you know, it's almost a slingshot on the return of serve. Now, I do want to say. He made 69% of his first serves. He won 73% he of his first serve points. There was improvement there. The depth he's able to generate on his uh, on the ball. He's also such a natural mover on these clay courts. This was a very impressive win from a guy in Karatev last year who, let's not forget, won that insane match over Novak Djokovic yep. in an ATP 250 before the French Open, and Had a bunch of uh, challenger success on the clay courts as well. Obviously won an ATP title on clay last year. It's a really good win for the former world junior number one who won a a challenger last week. Had to play in qualifying just to get into this event. Now gets the victory, I think like the fourth youngest guy of the century, you know, 2000 onward, to win a match in Monte Carlo. Holger Rune now up to a new career high, number 71 in the live rankings. Not a bad place to be at 18 years old. Birthday coming up, by the way, at the end of the month.
0: Good shout. No, I think and that was, I got to watch majority of that match and that was just, it was just so many swings of momentum. I think after the US Open, I remember we, I talked to him similar to when you did and he went to the lab and really worked on getting the drop shot, a part of his arsenal. And the, the drop shot has just paid massive dividends because he has the firepower to get these guys beyond the baseline. And now he's just confidently able to disguise the drop shot and make these guys that aren't very comfortable moving on clay courts or don't want to come forward. And he's making them come up with the goods and his court coverage off the drop shot. If these guys get to it, he moves so well on this and he's able to hit awkward, whether it's an awkward lob or a passing shot. He's just so athletic in his shot making, especially on the backhand wing is uh, is, is pretty incredible. And he, he kept his cool today. I mean, he, he got a little flustered with the umpire carrots of it, kind of called for a medical timeout a, a number of times to get like a back massage or whatever. And, he, I thought Holger was gonna lose it. I mean, he kind of like at 18 years old, you we've all been there before. It's like one thing gets in your head and then he goes and got broken pretty quickly with just some poor serving. Kind of you could tell it was still weighing on him. But his ability to regroup in that third set came out right away, extended rallies. And when the rally got past that six, seven uh, ball mark, you just felt like he was gonna win it. He was gonna he was gonna trust his legs more than carrots have trusted his. He was gonna go for bigger targets and it paid off and He's moving he's moving forward much better. He's he's coming forward and finishing points at the net. I I really like the kid's game and he just you can just tell he loves playing tennis. Like he loves competing. I think he's played like eight matches in the last ten days or something crazy like that. Uh, I think it's been like a seven match win streak or something. But he's uh yeah, this kid's this kid's gonna be a young star and he's he's jumping up the rankings quickly.
1: Yeah, all right. When you look at this section of the draw, it's actually maybe the most loaded of them all. Kasper Ruud taking on Holger Rune. Ruud an 82.9% favorite according to Tennis Abstract. That's a fantastic matchup one I think we're going to get to see more of moving forward. Did the deuce end up knocking out Grigor Dimitrov?
0: Nope, Grigor. Grigor
1: Three-set victory through. for Grigor. Hack of a victory for Dimitrov. So he'll face the winner of that one. Upset alert for me tomorrow, and according to Tennis Abstract, Pedro Martinez, 53.4% chance of knocking off Hubie Hercats uh, Martinez, and I said that was my pick of the day, Martinez, plus 165. You look overall at Martinez, 16-11 in his last 52 weeks on clay courts. That includes an ATP title in Santiago. Hercats for his career at the ATP level, 10-16 and 16 overall in clay court matches. Now, we got a straight set win over qualifier Hugo Delian, but I'm telling you, there's a physicality Pedro Martinez Brings that match is going three sets at a minimum. That's a really fun one. And then, Albert Ramos, who or I believe already won a cl- yeah, Albert Ramos already won a clay court title this year. He beat Cam Norrie seven six in the third last year on the clay courts. Here's a sneaky fact for you all: Cam Norrie fourteen and five in his last fifty two weeks on clay. That includes. Run to the t- uh, to final match in Estrel. He beats Christian Green, Pedro Martinez in three sets, uh, and Aaron Cilic before getting knocked out 7-6 in the third by Ramos. His other losses last year during the clay court season, you'll like this. Ready? Loses Rafa Barcelona. Not a bad loss. Loses Davidovich Fokina, in Rome, as we've learned. Not a bad loss. Loses to Tsitsipas in the final of Lyon. Not a bad loss. Loses to Rafa third-round Roland Garros. Cam Norrie, clay court specialist. Cam Norrie, I'm I, tweeting that out. Lock it in.
0: I, I that's just, I, I honestly didn't know he was that good on clay. 14 and five is, is wild because, you know, you expect a guy that comes off playing college tennis to probably not get much play on clay for an extended period of time. For him to find his footing in the beginning, kind of prime of his career, we already know he's a problem on hard courts. Uh, that's no. Cam Norris just—he competes so well, and he just—he just makes guys do things they don't want to do. It's like you don't—he doesn't have crazy weapons or like, he just finds a way. I this is—he's probably the one guy on the tour that like, I don't understand how, like, what he each match. I'm just like, how is this guy going to beat this guy? And He just continues to do it, and I, I got to watch him on the practice courts, and he was just destroying Botick, uh, Vandaschol uh, in Indian Wells, and they're like. And it's just like, how does this guy destroy these guys that are serving one twenty five? He just puts the return in play, and then he's ready to go. And he's an underrated athlete. Like the way he moves, and yeah, his his backhand slap is super flat, but he finds depth with it. And then the forehand doesn't look it looks pretty unorthodox. It doesn't really look like it's going to jump to the court and be the heavy ball that you you kind of accustomed to seeing from top ten guys, but. No, Cam Norris is a problem solver and one of the best, just his mindset day in and day out is just so consistent and he just locks in at, at just a ridiculous level um, week in and week out.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a little, uh, it reminds me of Brooksby and just, it's really efficient, high efficient, high percentage tennis. I'm going to roll the ball across court, open up angle by angle by angle until I have the opportunity to snap a forehand down the line. His ability to, you know, generate better and better depth on that backhand wing. He's comfortable moving forward. He's a really good spot server, hits different spins on those serves as well. Again, Keep your eye on Cam Nori. I'm kind of excited to see uh, what he's going to be able to do over these next couple of weeks. And so, you know, again, certainly uh, he will be someone to keep an eye on in this section of the draw. And, yeah, as I look overall right now here in this section, again, Nori taking on Ramos, who beat him last year 7-6 in the third. Give me your the matchup you most want to see in this section and give me who you think is going to advance.
0: Real quick before we move on from Cam okay. Nori, When he came out of college – like, what was the Gruskin meter on this guy? Like, how high were you on him to be able to break into the top, I don't know, even top 50? Like, did you did you see it coming, or was this, like, like did it blindside you, blindside you as much as it did to me?
1: Here's what I'll say. I wasn't as educated then as I am now about the transition and what it takes and the skill sets you need and the sort of traits you'd like to have. I will say this. Cam Nordy was number one in the country. He was as successful as anyone, and you could tell right away the speed with which he played at was just different. Than the rest of the kids, uh, than the rest of the opponents he went against in college. He just had a mastery of, okay, you don't hit the ball big enough. You don't hurt me well enough. My patterns will inevitably wear you down. Now, there were some guys physically who were still a little bit ahead of him. And I remember a match between he and Torpegard, NCAA quarterfinals 2017. You know, Ohio State ends up winning the match, but it was just fantastic tennis at that number one spot. And you just wondered, okay, because, you know, he's a big guy, but he was never as fit as he is now and now you know the strength that he's had has turned into speed and stamina and just the jump he's made physically he's always had the discipline he always had you know again the ability to play at hit on his terms but it's the jump physically you couldn't have anticipated so top 100 sure top 10 not a chance
0: (laughs) yeah I think that guy just continues to be one of the most like shocking results in tennis like the fact that he's where he is and just doesn't seem to be going anywhere soon. But anyway, uh, most intriguing matchup of this section. I mean, uh, Gre- oh, that's tough. Holger Rune versus Rude. That's that's going to be a fun one. But I expect Casper to get through that. And then Casper versus Grigor. Gregor looks motivated. And he looks like he's he knows he's kind of like on his last kind of – he's rounding third probably. He's at the later part of his prime athletically. He, he kind of needs to have results soon i think he's kind of he kind of feels that it seems and he's enjoying his tennis that's a guy that when his shot making is is uh kind of on and he's finding the middle of the strings he's able to do a lot of things that most guys can't and he'll, and he'll be able to give casper some trouble i mean he'll keep the backhand slice uh in, in the casper's back in the casper's backhand and then coming up with the forehand i mean he's got the weaponry to uh do some damage that that, that one could be fun i don't love the bottom i think cam dory will will I guess Ramos is tough, but I always kind of feel like he's a, a dark horse on clay. But I think Cam way comes out of the bottom part of that.
1: Yeah, interesting. So who advances, though, out of the court? You taking Casper?
0: Yeah, you can't. Casper's is, yeah, assassin.
1: Man, Alcaraz-Rude the rematch would be delightful. I apologize to any of you who are hearing the lawn mowing going on outside of the podcast studio. Yeah, it's a really fun section. I mean, Rude versus Martinez is what the nerds would want. Um, yeah, Rude versus Norris, Just give me the physicality. That would be absolutely delightful. I'll take Casper Rude to advance as well. And I'm telling you now, you're not. He was 25 to one two weeks ago. You're not going to get him better than the 17 to one odds you have him to win the French Open at now. If he gets to the quarterfinals, he'll probably be the favorite. And then at that point, if you don't like him, you can hedge against him. But that's a bet I would implore everyone. Again, you've spent five dollars in a worse way. I promise you that. With that in mind, uh, let's move on to quarter number three here in the draw, and this is the Stefano Tsitsipas section of the draw. Obviously, Tsitsipas last year, so fantastic on the clay courts, culminating in that uh, French Open final appearance. He advances dominant form straight sets today over Fabio Fodnini. Just was moving with ease, returning with ease. I mean, now he's going to face the winner of Lorenzo Sinego, Laszlo Jure, who, of course, physically on the clay courts. That's a fun matchup. You've got Schwartz Sportsman in this section, Fuchovic in this section, section, and then maybe the sneaky fun one here: FAA going to take on Lorenzo Musetti, who seems to have refound some of his form at the start of this clay court season. Uh, what are you looking forward to most in this section?
0: Yeah, I think yeah, Musetti back on clay court. That's where he feels most comfortable. I think he's he'll that matchup with Felix is, is going to be fun. I, I think Diego didn't look quite as sharp as we're used to him being on clay uh Hachinov match was a, a tough three setter for him um but him and Fusevich I mean that's going to be two big discrepancies in playing style I, I always love when one guy's going to try to grind one guy's going to try to smoke balls past so I think that's that, that'll be an, a fun matchup um Senegal loves clay so Senego versus Post, a rematch of 2021 Cincinnati I got to watch that match that was an electric matchup uh those two guys put on the show in Cincinnati. And I would like to see that matchup as well. I think Senego plays his best on clay. So a lot of clay court specialists, you got Diego Senego and Musetti and, and Sissipas who also has found his best tennis on clay. So that's a tough, that's a pretty low to draw. Um, but, but yeah, I think that Felix Musetti match could, could be interesting. Felix, I don't know. I think the clay courts kind of hurt him in, in regards to his ability to kind of blow guys off the court and Musetti's just, comfortable on that stuff and he's, he's got the variety we saw him play against play novak tough on clay so um but yeah since Plus that outfit is just atrocious i don't know what adidas tennis is <laughs> going to him right there the shoes are terrible the shirt color i don't know what uh, yeah with the, what the matching with the green racket it is uh that, that was a disaster
1: yeah i mean it it again we're undoing Mo, morse code right on the shirt it's actually just a message it's a plea to help to all of us <laughs> The Schwartzman matchup against Hatchinov, that was a fantastic victory from Schwartzman to advance. Just a physical matchup. And again, Karen Hatchinov, I don't know what to do. I could do a 30 minute pod on why Karen Hatchinov should work, why he isn't working, all these different things, because the outline of a top 10 player is there. The pieces just are not fitting together over these past two and a half years. But. I need to see the boat get started. I need to see the train get rolling for Felix on clay. You look for Felix over these last 52 weeks on the dirt. He struggled 5-7 and seven overall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, again, in a vacuum. Losses to Rude, Tsitsipas, and Green last year. I don't think any of those are particularly poor. A three-set loss to Musetti. I don't think that's a particularly bad loss. But compounded together, you know, he loses 7-6 in the third to Mulcan last week, who makes the final mm-hmm. in a vacuum. Each loss is fine. Compounded together, I need a big win. I need more out of you. This is an opportunity to do that. And I want to see, again, a willingness to suffer. What does plan B, C look like? Use your physicality to extend points, set up forehands. You'll get your chances. It's going to be interesting because Musetti, again, is going to extre- uh, extend you, stretch you, and he'll match any physicality you bring, particularly on this surface. So it's a fascinating section of the draw. That said, I test-wise, I'm telling you, Pos looked on a mission today against Fonini. I would yeah, like really. to see him play. I think Felix, because I would like to see Felix have success and build some confidence just heading into the rest of this clay court season. I think that's the best case scenario uh, for all of us fans of tennis moving forward. Tennis needs Felix to step up. Yeah, exactly. That said, Cici Paas versus Schwartzman would be very, very, especially after their ATP Cup earlier this season. That would be a fun rematch.
0: No, yeah, I agree. That would, yeah. Diego is always like that. The guy is insane. Like, appreciate this guy while you can. What this guy is doing at his stature, taking guys down that are a foot taller than him, like on a regular basis, that are hitting the ball 15, 20 miles an hour faster than him, is just absurd. Uh, but yeah, Felix, tennis needs this guy. Like this guy could be the, one of the faces of, of the tour. He's got everything. Like, got, he's got the looks. He's got the, the athleticism. He just, like, he looks like a guy that, like, he, sh- he just should be dominating. He's so athletic. He's six He's got the massive serve, big forehand. He's steady on the backhand wing. He can, he, like, he moves well. He's yeah, but it just seems like he he hasn't been able to kind of just put together a complete fifty-two weeks. And and that's, I guess that's kind of crazy to say because he's been in the top ten. But um, that's the guy that we've all kind of been waiting for to kind of have his his real breakthrough moment. And I don't know. Do you, do you think he's had his breakthrough moment already? I I still feel like he's waiting for that.
1: Here's the thing for Felix. I. There are just so few points to defend right now, and there are so many points to defend coming up with the grass court season and the hard court stretch, and so this is the time to rack up some easy victories. I do think he has some signature wins under his belt. I do think people consider him a top-tier player and a top-tier future uh, prospect as well. At the same time, I need to see it on the clay, and this is absolutely an opportunity for him to do that. With that said, let's move on to our final quarter here, quarter number four of the draw. Of course, Alexander Zverev, your number two seed, who has a pathway to world number one if certain things break his way. He's got Federico Delbonis, the lefty, always tough out, uh, is the Argentinian, and Delbonis an impressive three-set victory over qualifier, Hami Munar, to advance to the round of 32 this is an interesting section. Rublev Hour. Really fun match on hard courts. Will it be as fun on clay? Let's find out. Hour already a quarter of the way to matching his clay court win total as he got a first round victory. He won four total clay court matches last year. He's got Rublev here. Rusevori Sinner. Again, really fun match on the clay courts. How healthy is Rusevori at uh, is Sinner at this point? We saw him injured in his first match. Not feeling his best, but a great gutted out three set win over Borna Chorge. Meanwhile, Rusevori or cruising through qualifying, through Oscar Ota to this round. I mean, Pablo Carrena Busta, nightmare on the clay. He's got Sasha Bublik, who will just Bublik his way and big serve and make you uncomfortable. I don't care about the surface. It's a fun section. It's a Masters 1000. They're all going to be fun sections. What are you watching for in this quarter of the draw?
0: First off, I, I don't think I can ever root for Doug Bonas again after <laughs> what he did to his fellow Argent- Argentinian, Juan Martín Del Partre, the legend. Uh, when he was on his last leg, the dude was drop shotting him and stuff. I'm just like, dude, hit the ball. Let this, let me see this guy's forehand. I don't want to see what my the six five guy on his last wheel chase down drop shots. So Delbonis, I thought that that was uh, I think I think he lost me on the wagon for life. <laughs> but, but no, this section I think you, you you hit it on the head with the center versus Vori match. That that's just two guys that are gonna stay on the baseline and pound away for two hours. So uh, that, that'll be a fun one. Uh, that forehand battle will, will, will be pretty electric. boost versus Bublik—that's if Bublick is—you just never know what you're going to get with Bublick. If he's locked in uh, and he wants and he wants to win and he wants to focus and kind of put points together, that's a guy that can that can give a problems. But um, I, I do expect uh, PCB to move on and, and face Demon um, Demonara on clay—that's not his play isn't particularly exciting on this surface. Rublev feels like he needs to kind of refine his form. I mean, it's—I know he he, he, the season he started was he started hot, but it seems like he's cooled off a little bit since. So no, I think Sasha Zverev though has got to be the favorite to to get through this section though.
1: Yeah, I mean. It's now or never for Zerov. after a different disappointing sunshine swing, after you know a disappointing loss to Shapovalov at the Australian Open, and yet he still has an opportunity for himself here. And again, I think all these guys are tough outs. Karina Busta, certainly a healthy sinner, or whether it be, again, Andrei Rublev, who's had sneaky amounts of success on clay courts in his career and his forehand is that much more of a nightmare to deal with when you don't have your feet fully under you. I think there are going to be a lot of close matches in this section of the draw. I wish we had a healthy Sinner in the mix as well because I think sinners Rev matchups are always particularly spicy, and we've seen a good amount of them here over the past couple of years it's a fun section of the, uh, it's a fun draw. And again, overall your top five, uh, according to the tennis abstract win percentage, Carlos Alcarez, 19.8%, Zverev, 194 CC Pass 193 Rude, 157 then a massive drop off all the way to uh, Yannick Sinner, whose injury they don't account for, but is at 4.7% right now. With that in mind, Nate, Doug, give me your prediction. Who's taking home the title?
0: Yeah, I was, I think it's, Sasha's Zverev, I think he just, yeah, his athleticism, he, he can he can go through the grind, he can ex- extended rallies, he's not going to shy away from. He's got the weapons. I think that's, I think this is his section to lose. Especially if Center was healthy, different conversation. But uh, as it currently stands, PCB plays his best tennis on hard courts. He doesn't fit the the, the the typical kind of stereotype that we have with Spaniards of being best on clay. I feel like his best tennis comes on a hard court. So I think if that if that's a match of PCs, he'll he, he'll take that one just because. Yeah. He's just one of the best athletes that I've ever seen on the, on on a tennis court. So uh, I hope I tennis. Yeah. We need guys like Felix guys, like Zverev to step up and kind of uh, take, take uh, the kind of bull by the thorns or by the horns, because yeah, we just saw Novak losing in the first round. Rafa has been out. Rogers on his last wheel. It's like, we we need some storylines for these these big time athletes to kind of start taking taking the Masters 1000s titles and uh, yeah getting into the semifinals and having these big the, the big horses match up in, in the later rounds.
1: Yeah, with that in mind, who's winning this tournament?
0: Oh, oh man! I know I took quarter. In the, it's like I took quarter because I I love I love the Young American, but I mean if yeah, it's like. I don't really want to bet against Carlos Alcaraz. I mean, where where he's at in his career right now. I don't want to like I don't want to bet against him. But I did take Corda, so I won't I won't take Carlos. Give me, uh, give me, give me Sasha if I think this is where he can he can kind of regroup here after the uh, crazy start to his season, and maybe maybe he finds his footing and captures his first Masters one thousands of this year.
1: Yeah, I mean. It's hard to pick. Again, you know, CT Pass Alcaraz final feels pretty good, certainly. And then again, that's been a fun matchup we've seen a bunch of times here now over the past couple of years.
0: CT Pass did look good. No, Pass looks sharp. Fognini, that's a tough matchup for Fognini, though. That's that's not one that he, he's going to have much luck in, I feel like, at this point in his career.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, Fognini got smacked. CT Pass, I think, beat yeah. him 3 0 here today. Yeah, and so yeah. I agree with you. It was just. <sighs> and it's hard to pick against Alcaraz. I don't know. I'm going to reserve the right. I want to mm-hmm. see everyone play once, and then I will offer a pick to all of you. But, of course, as always, Nate Dogg, always appreciate your insights. Any college tennis thoughts you want to throw my way? I know you've been deep in the game.
0: I, uh, yeah, no, I finally, I feel like I've I've dove in two feet now. Uh, I, I'll shout out to Xavier Musketeers. I went to watch Xavier versus Butler, uh, Big East rivalry matchup, fighting for the third spot in the Big East um, conference play. And the Xavier Musketeers at three all Diego Nava uh secures the clinch in a third set against Thomas Brennan uh from Ireland. Just an awesome matchup. And it just like reminded me how much fun college tennis is. You know, during a clinch match, it's just there's nothing like it. And I think um I yeah, I mean, I've also watched a bunch of highlights. Shout out to Jay Tennis or something. Is that is that his name on YouTube? Jay Tweets. Uh, oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Sure.
0: This, this dude's highlights are incredible. So I've been able to keep up with the top players. Arthur Fury, is, is that's how you say his name.
1: Uh, F- Ferry,
0: Fury. Ferry. That dude, yeah, that guy, and the guy from USC, uh, with a D. What is his name? Stefan Dostanich. Th- th- this guy too, man. I- I've been able to Strikes watch these guys. Strikes a time. nice ball. Man, he hits the ball crisp, and that yeah. I mean, I I've love watching. I mean, I- I'm staying up till two in the morning watching college highlights now, so I can. Uh, get closer to, to your guys' level. And I, I, if I cast my ballot, I need to make sure it's legit.
1: <laughs> I like to hear it. Well, then with all of that said, of course, uh, where can they find all of your work? What's coming up on the pod? What's coming up from Tennis Point social media?
0: Yeah, guys, check out the Pure Tennis podcast. We are uh, get we're, we're getting out as much as we can. Not as much as I'd like, but we're, it, it's up and up, up and at them. Uh, also, just Instagram, Tennis Point USA, and TikTok, guys. I mean, we're, we're unloading a bunch of content on there. Just fun content. I try to get like, it's just, it's crazy. But people want to see tennis from that vantage point. And I think we've kind of figured out what they want to see. And um, yeah, as as we start to travel in the the summer circuit, especially, we will um, be kind of filtering more content that way. And I'm excited to uh, get with you guys next week. And I'm sure we'll, uh, we're going to get live. We're we're going Instagram or TikTok live, putting the tripod out there. We're going to get some fun content. Greskin's going to have some sticks out there, have some feedback for you guys. It'll be a good time
1: oh I'm wearing the Michigan bucket hat I can tell you that right now um, bucket hat, baby yeah of course now with all that said again a huge shout out to our friends at Tennis Point for their continued support to learn more about the latest offerings go to tennis-point.com today of course if you've missed out on any of the content here at Cracked Rackets you know where to go CrackedRackets.com like rate subscribe review to this show the Great Shot Podcast Cracked Interviews and our YouTube channel to ensure you don't miss out on anything a shout out as always to super producer Daniel West on the ones and twos for the f- of an job he does day in day out making all of this possible with all that said for my fantastic co-host nate walrith our super producer daniel Westoff our friends at tennis point from all of us here at both crack rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin nate what do we tell the people
0: that's the break baby
1: and we will see you all tomorrow thank you as always my friend
0: thank you my man